Well, now we turn to this morning's scripture reading. Open your heart and listen for God's voice as our friend Lilia shares with us this morning's reading from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Today's scripture reading is Jeremiah 29, verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, now I'd like to introduce this morning's guest preacher. All throughout the season of Lent, we have invited United Methodist pastors serving in and around the city of Flint to share a bit of their story with us. We've asked them to share with us the story of moments when God called them, when God guided their steps, when God shaped their lives. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, you will also learn to recognize God's voice and that you will be inspired to answer God's call for your own life. This morning, we welcome Pastor Tommy McDaniel. Pastor Tommy serves the Asbury United Methodist Church on the east side of Flint. Pastor Tommy is one of those pastors whom I have come to admire and see as a mentor during my time serving here in Flint. Now, pastor Tommy is not just a pastor, he's also a master gardener, he's a father of five, and he's the director of a nonprofit called Asbury CDC. Asbury CDC oversees the work of the South Flint Soup Kitchen. And it also oversees the work of one of the largest urban farms in all of the nation. Now, together, Pastor Tommy and the people at Asbury have helped God transform a neighborhood that was known for food insecurity into a neighborhood that exports food and helps to feed the city. We are so grateful for Pastor Tommy's service and leadership, and we are excited this morning to welcome him as he prepares to share the good news with the people of the Court Street United Methodist Church. Our father was the youngest stepson of a farmer. He started learning to farm when he was 12 years old. So when he and my mom got married, that's what they knew was farming and they became sharecroppers. Soon after they got married, my dad left for the war and on his, when, his, when he returned, he was able to use his GI Bill to continue his education in, in agriculture. He wanted to become a fruit farmer. Well, they determined along the way that sharecropping isn't very good for raising a family. And so by the time I was born, that chapter was over in my family's history. Now I was born in Arkansas along with my brothers and sisters, but by that time, my dad was already getting settled in Memphis, Tennessee in an urban neighborhood. And that's where my brothers and sisters were when I was born. Over the course of growing up, we moved several times. I attended different schools. But everywhere we lived, one of the first things we did was to build, was to create a garden, to, to start a garden. Whether it was in the projects in Elyria, Ohio, or it was in the village of Vermilion, or in the urban neighborhood, in the hood in Memphis, that's, we had a garden. Let us pray. Gracious and holy Lord, we just give you thanks for, um, for this day, for this beautiful day that you have created, for the abundance that surrounds me. 
Lord, I also give you thanks for everyone who's within the sound of my voice. But Lord, I ask for this miracle. I ask that that somehow the foolishness that I was about to say, the things that I might have written down, the things that might be in my head, Lord, that those get pushed aside. And what people hear is what you want them to hear, Lord, that they might hear your voice, that they might hear your ideas, that they might hear your assurances. Lord, I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The day I received a call from the district superintendent over the Flint churches, I was with my mom and my two of my sisters, and we were touring a garden at uh, Garrett at the seminary where I was graduating that day. You know, a couple of years before that call was made, the people at Asbury Church had been working with a nonprofit called Connections. Connections had this curriculum that they that they would use for uh, working with families called Strengthening the Family. And when I arrived in Flint at Asbury, one of the things I enjoyed doing was eating with the families a couple times a week. The director asked me to put together a course that I might share with the families. And so I put together this course and we went spent that, that academic year um, studying how to solve problems as a family. We called it strengthening the family through community involvement. We were looking at some of the most difficult problems that they were facing in the neighborhood. Food insecurity is probably the one that's most common among all the families that we meet in our neighborhood. Food insecurity means that if it weren't for programs like Asbury, where they had dinner five nights a week, they would probably miss meals. And so we decided at the end of that school year that for the summer we would have this program. And, and so we did this program called uh, the Asbury Food Cooperative. The families were excited. There was this one lady that was uh, a part of our church. She wasn't one of the families coming to the family center, but she was what you call a master gardener. She was a certified master gardener. She took classes at Michigan State University uh, Extension, and she got her certification. And that also means that she would volunteer and teach other people about gardening. And so she spent the summer with us teaching us about gardening and how to take care of food, how to harvest it, how to how to can it, how to freeze it. You know, at the end of that summer, we canned 120 quarts of tomatoes. Now, we didn't grow all those tomatoes. We also purchased tomatoes at the farmer's market from other Michigan farmers. And so the families learned how to deal with food insecurity. There was just one problem. All the excitement seemed to wear off as the summer went on. And it wasn't about the hard work. There were just too many other issues, too many other obstacles that they seemed to be faced with each week. You know, for the last 12 months, I think for most of us, it's felt like we've been in exile. You know, exile is, is where you are when you're not where you want to be, right? It's, 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 that, it's, it's when you are craving for something that's more normal. And in fact, I, I've heard a few people say that the last 12 months have been like uh, scenes from uh, Groundhog Day where each day we wake up to the same precautions as we were doing the day before. And so during January, the, the folks at Asbury 
um, we decided to study the prophet Jeremiah. We selected this uh, companion book. It was called Daring to Hope in an Unstable World. Well, even though it was written before the pandemic, I mean, we're in an unstable world, that's for sure. With all of the theatrics that are going on in politics every day, and with the big problems that we still have facing us, like systemic racism and global warming. You see, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was called by God to be a prophet, and his job as a prophet was to hold a mirror up in front of the people of Judah so they could see who was to blame for the circumstances they found themselves in. What a difficult job to have, because, I mean, let's face it, folks, we don't want to be reminded that we are the victims of our own doing, of our own decisions. I mean, granted, there's there's our ancestors. I mean, they did some things that, that we now have to pay for, but, and, and there's other people. I mean, we're not in this alone, right? Other people played a role, but at the end of the day, we pretty much reap what we sow. And that was the message that Jeremiah had to deliver to the, to the people. But with God, God kept giving them chance after chance, return to covenant but they decided to, to go their own way. And so God, rather than rain on them for 40 days, what God did was just back off and, and let them reap what they sowed. Well, they went into exile. And while they were in exile, God being God and God being a God of grace, God has Jeremiah send them a letter. It was a letter of encouragement, but it was also a letter of instruction. It was a letter that was a call to them. And in the um, in chapter 29, verse 5, it says this, Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. You know, I think about my parents often. As I wander around Asbury Farms, I'm in one of the hoop houses on our main campus. You can see in the middle of winter, we still have lots of green. We, we grow year round. I think about them, and I, when I read this, this text, I've read it hundreds of times. It always gives me a sense of peace. You know, I, I think about how each place that we moved when I was growing up, we would plant a garden and we would work for the welfare of whatever city we found ourselves in. And God didn't stop there. God said to, um, in, in verse seven, he says, says, he says this, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. I think that's where we are. I think that's a call. I know it's my call. And church, this is a divine call. You know, one of the pictures that we have on the main campus at part of our fence was done by a, a young aspiring artist. And after she finished, she was painting a scene about hope. At the bottom of her painting, she put this caption, grow where you've been planted. You know, I don't know of a time that I felt more exiled than when I first arrived in Flint. I, I was surrounded by, by poverty. 
the city had lost, I learned, over 80,000 jobs, but that was 30 years ago. And still what remains is economic devastation. And, and then the, the water crisis comes where we find that our public water uh, is, is poisoning. It has lead in it. I was in over my head. And so I, I knew this. I knew God had me here for a reason. And I'm old enough now to know that I'm pretty good at solving problems. I'm pretty good at just diving in and getting to the root causes. But I didn't know what to do next. And I decided to do something a little radical. I actually signed up and registered to work on my doctorate of ministry at Ecumenical Theological Seminary in Detroit. Here's what I was thinking, bear with me. I was thinking that by doing that, I mean, they're known for urban ministry then I would get a chance to meet people and ask questions of people that, that know a lot more than I do about this. And the thesis I had, I mean, the idea I had why I was there is I wanted to understand the root causes of poverty. And so that's what I did, because here's what I discovered. I discovered that if I don't know the answer and I just keep asking questions, now, I don't go up to people and say, are you the one that God sent to me with the answer? But that's what's in the back of my head. Because I know that sooner or later, God is going to weave together this tapestry. And each thread is going to be a person that is responding to God's call, in some cases, without even knowing it. Now, admittedly, poverty is really complex. And Jesus kind of prophesied that working on that particular problem would be frustrating when, when he said uh, that the poor will always be with us. But here's what I learned. Through my research, through my um, experimentation, through uh, uh, workshops that I, that I ran and, and uh, to work on looking for these root causes, I, I learned this. People that are families that are in generational poverty, they, they all have something in common. And, and what they have in common is there is a, a brokenness in their relationships, their relationships with God, with other people, with themselves, and, and with the earth. But hear this, we're all broken. The difference is their brokenness doesn't work within the political, economic, and religious systems that we have in place. While those of us who are not in poverty, our brokenness, we can still function. During my research, I had a colleague group that I worked with, and one of my colleagues had this book. She was doing research for lay people to find out, you know, tools and, and, and processes and methods to, for lay people to be more effective in the church. She had this book, it was just fascinated me because it looked familiar. It was about spiritual disciplines. Then I remembered one of my mentors, three, four, five years or more earlier than that, had given me that book, that same book, and said to me, I think you're going to need this. I think you need to take this with you when you go to seminary. 
God had opened my eyes to one of the issues with generational poverty and, and how we might go about dealing with it. And the good news is we don't have to re-engineer all of our systems. We already have the solution, folks. We already know what to do. We need to use spiritual disciplines and we need to teach those spiritual disciplines to the people that we work with, that we are here to serve. And well, we still have to find creative ways to, uh, to feed those who are hungry. It's still true today, as it has always been, that everything we do begins with prayer. You know, this is the 10th anniversary of our nonprofit, Asbury CDC, and, and this part of it, Asbury Farm, started sometime after that. It's also the 10th anniversary of the Southland Soup Kitchen, uh, which we also run at this point. And, you know, what we've discovered is that where two or more of us are gathered to, uh, to, to really focus on the issues that are important to God, that same Holy Spirit that was hovering over the waters of creation is with us. And, and you know, Asbury Farms, with the help of uh, Michigan State University, Department of Agriculture, and uh, Kettering University, and, and University of Michigan here in Flint, and other places of, of research and advanced study, they've really helped us a lot. We've, we've learned state-of-the-art techniques for uh, farming year-round. We've, we've learned about um, sustainable energy. This, uh, the energy that, that comes to this farm for our irrigation system is all solar. We've, we've learned um, innovative ways to deal with pest management. But do you know God's blessing of our soil and our seeds, of our volunteers, of our staff, that seems to be the thing that we have been most able to rely on. And you know, you've heard it said that those who God calls, well, God equips. And what I've discovered is I'm still in over my head. But the reality is that God keeps bringing these diverse threads together. And somehow we each have our own unique calling. And I've discovered that God is a master gardener. You see, plants need sunlight and water and they need nutrients uh, to flourish. And we also need sunlight and water and nutrients to flourish. But you and I know something even more important. We know that every word spoken by God, whether it's a whisper or a shout, that those are the things that bring life. That's what is, is necessary beyond the nutrients that uh, help our body. And the, there's good news. The good news is that God continues to find ways for us to, to utilize the, the, the spiritual disciplines that Jesus taught us to use them and to teach others. And those are the ways that we will be able to help. You see, my parents, when they were first married, at, at the, they were, it was a parsonage of, a, of, of the local Methodist pastor where they went to church. 
they didn't know that someday they would be leaving their home and going to a place that they knew nothing about. They knew none of the people. Um, they, di they didn't know that one of their children, probably the least likely of the six of us to even grow a garden, to plant a garden, they wouldn't know that I would someday find myself in yet a different city planting a garden. But I'll tell you this, every time I read that letter and those words from Jeremiah, I find great hope and I find peace, even here in exile. Amen.